Hello, everybody. On behalf of Independent Research Forum, welcome to this podcast. My name is Tim Parker, and today I'm very, very pleased to be able to interview Edward Blad, who is the chief executive and founder of IRF. And welcome, Edward. Hello, Tim. Hi there. If we can perhaps start off by saying that Independent Research Forum, as we all know, are a very effective seller of independent research into the investment management community on a global basis. And if I can start, Ed, by asking of you, how did you get into this, in, into this sector and industry? Hello, Tim, and hello, everyone who's listening to the call today. I really fell into the independent research space about 15 years ago. I'd just completed a year's internship at Citibank in New York in, in their private banking and operations role. And um, I got back to London and met Jamie Stewart, who ran the independent research team at Eden Financial. And I had several interviews with him and his team and then, um, and then got the job. It's obviously a very unknown industry, really, in the independent research space. So, um, And there was no one really sitting as an intermediary between the independent researchers and the fund managers, um, except the uh, operation at Eden Financial 15-odd years ago. So I kind of landed into a, into a space that I had no idea about. And then subsequently, obviously, uh, really enjoyed the industry and really enjoyed the business and been able to build up my own business as a result of moving from Eden Financial to Marek Spectrum, which bought Eden Financial, and then and then going alone and set up Independent Research Forum. But it's really the whole idea of connecting people has really been very well suited to my um, areas of, of expertise and skills, I guess, getting on with people and connecting the dots. And that's what I really like to do. And that's why we've been able to, to build a business doing that between the investors and the independent providers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a pretty good story so far, and, and certainly successful in a very, very competitive marketplace. What have you learned over 15 years of doing this uh, that you would say differentiates IRF from your competitors? Um, well, I think, you know, the, the way to sell research is to be out there selling it um, rather than hoping that someone logs onto your platform to, to buy it. So you need to be out there in the field building relationships um, and having not had many competitors for for many years whilst I was working at Eden and Marex, um, suddenly there was this whole heap of competitors, in, but mainly focusing on technology platforms and with MIFID coming in and people assuming that everything was moving towards independence. But a lot of them haven't received that much traction and some have fallen by the wayside for many different reasons. But um, some of the main ones is that, you know, a lot of the research providers that are on there are maybe maybe don't have the highest quality products are quite happy to be mass distributed the, the technology platforms have really failed to fail to get going and, and a way the way to sell research is to be out there and it needs to be sold so you need to be speaking to the funds building relationships with the funds and then making introductions on a basis that you know is going to be a good fit because these these you know these fund managers they get absolutely bombarded with research data offerings all the time and they've got inboxes that you know have thousands of emails in receiving thousands of emails a day so the way you really need to, to target them is to really it was really to be chatting to them. So those companies that have set up platforms have found it difficult to persuade fund managers to go onto the platforms. And on the platforms, there's often not the research that maybe the IRF business is representing because the, some of the a lot of the IRF providers don't want to be massively distributed. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So relationship management is a key key point about what you do. Um, but also technology, you're, obviously, you, you sound a little bit dismissive of, of platforms and technology. Um, but 
IRF must use technology. I mean, it, it is part of what you do, isn't it? Uh, well, I wouldn't say it's part. I mean, you know, obviously we have a we have a website which we are spending a considerable amount of time revamping currently, actually. So we are, you know, we, I don't think we're ever going to be a technology platform, but we're certainly making the um, the website more usable. Very much hoping to build up users coming onto the website, and we're going to start hosting, you know, the cut our fortnightly publication where we highlight interesting bits of research from our providers. We're going to start hosting that on the website, and you know, we're going to we have details of all our conference calls. We have summaries of the calls uh, for ones that we've already hosted, and then we have details of the upcoming ones. And so we intend to have all that material on the website, although we do have quite a lot of material already, but nothing to do with the cut. We're going to put a login and password so we can see who's interested in IRF and who's interested in our providers. At the moment, we, we don't, you know, we use MailChimp, we use Salesforce for technology, but that's as far as it goes. We're not like we don't have any special AI or fintech capabilities that I guess a lot of intermediaries in the space, you know, would say that they do. Yeah, that's really that's really interesting because, of course, uh, you know, current times is obsession with technology. Um, and you're focusing on the, the people connection, uh, which appears to be working. The other thing that's, that's really in the foreground now in our industry um, is regulation. How do you think regulation has affected the independent research market in the last sort of two or three years? Well, there's clearly a more, more of an onus, isn't there, on providers now to have the sufficient regulation. Um, and the FCA, I, you know, and the SEC are, you know, increasingly clamping down to make sure that research providers have the necessary compliance in place. So we're vigilant about which of our research providers are regulated and the ones that aren't. We need to make sure they are if they're doing work, you know, if they're doing research that requires regulation, such as making specific, you know, stock recommendations. But from a point of view of regulatory policy, MIFID 2 was obviously quite a sea change in January 2018. Have you seen much of a, a change in behaviour since then? We do find it very difficult to target certain institutions. So, you know, the likes of Fidelity um, and LNG and MNG and Columbia Threadneedle, it's been very difficult to target those those firms because of MIFID and it's been very, very difficult to get into those funds. Whereas, you know, the hedge funds of this world are, 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 don't have those sorts of regulatory procedures in place that means that we can you know speak to their fund managers and their analysts and talk to them about providers and make introductions whereas it does feel like in, in a lot of these big institutions we're we, you know we're, we're shut off from doing that so it's unfortunate yeah i mean i think it's a i mean i think it's a, it's a familiar problem for most irps or independent research providers is that um, gaining access to the institutions is extremely challenging uh, at the moment and it's very unfortunate because you know these the fund managed analysts at these places i'm sure would be very open-minded and very would very much like to hear about these research providers that we're representing or any independent research provider you know that, that's trying to approach them and it's a shame that you know the compliance and the regulatory teams um prevent that from happening and i, I, I it's very difficult to know how that's going to change or whether it is ever going to change yeah and from the irp point of view are you are you seeing a lot of providers approaching you for help on the sales side i'd say this year yeah there's been a lot um i'd, I'd say we're taking on about one provider a week so yeah on average about 50 a year but there's probably going to be maybe 60 or 70 this year i think you know covid has made it you know uh, much harder for for research providers to to get introductions with funds and we've created quite i believe a slick process streamlined process you know by doing all these zoom calls um, and we've got you know such a big audience now through our salesforce crm system with lots of people putting in contacts that the providers are finding it increasingly 
useful to use a service like IRF in order to um to you know to penetrate a buy side audience that they would not be able to speak to otherwise because you know the, as I mentioned the sales the database is so vast and these Zoom calls are proving effective in terms of getting fund managers and analysts on the line and providers being able to give their latest market insights and introduce their products so I think it's been a good time to to take on new providers during during um these difficult COVID times. And um, looking ahead, uh, here we are approaching uh, uh, the beginning of 21. Next two or three years, how do you see the, the landscape changing or evolving in, in independent research? I think people, I think that I, I'm, I'm beginning to get a sense that people are leaving the sell side and are contemplating set up, setting up independent research firms, boutiques, um, increasingly, actually. I think over the last few months, there's like two or three people that I've spoken to at, at big sell side houses in London who have found out about what we do. And therefore, they've contacted me about going down the independent route. Um, so that's finally seems to be happening. And people talked about it for years and there hasn't been many providers um, appearing. But I feel like over the next, you know, six to 12 months, maybe we'll find a, a few more providers, which will be good. Um, and I guess people have realized as a sales analyst that you can effectively work from home. So um, you can effectively work from home and therefore there's not that much difference to them trying to become an independent if you're, you know, if you've got a good following. So, so maybe this whole working from home um, will encourage more people to become independent. So perhaps there'll be a growth of providers in going into the, into the new year. There's increasingly, um, you know, price cuts and shrinking of budgets and slashing of providers. You know, it's very rare that I have a conversation with a fund manager and they say, oh, we're actually reducing our, you know, our number of bro it's very rare. So we have a, we have, I have a conversation where they say, well, we're actually increasing our number of research from brokers. They pretty much 95% of the time say we're reducing. Um, so, you know, it does make it, it is a very challenging and tough landscape. But, you know, independence, people always pay for high quality, independent research, data, market insights, you know, that, 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 that they can't receive elsewhere. Yeah, well, I, I get that right. Uh, people will, will, will pay for talent and they'll pay for uh, differentiated input wherever it is. It can be in big houses, small houses, investment banks, wherever. I, I guess that's the case. I think you're more likely to you know, be able to shine within an independent house rather than in the, in the bulge bracket in terms of, you know, if you're an equity analyst, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're, there's certain limitations of what you can and can't do, aren't there, in terms of the research. You, you can't write completely independently, obviously. So, so I think, you know, you can... Although environment the environment in which the the bulge bracket analysts work in is relatively comfortable they're quite well paid um, because uh, one suspects that there's some cross subsidy going on within those within those organizations yeah 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 um anyway and and, and stepping back stepping back um to a sort of, sort of wider view how many irps or independent research providers do you actually have on your books uh, i think we currently have 260 providers Wow, I believe that there's. I believe over the last fifteen years since I've been doing this, there is probably something like two thousand providers. But it's very open end. I mean, like you know, you could be an Ipsos Mori or something like that, and one percent of your client base could be funds. So you could consider them an independent provider. Whereas you know, like if you're like a research firm like Messels doing technical analysis, one hundred percent of your clients are buy side institutions. So yeah, so there's but there's a lot of yeah, there's obviously a hell of a lot of providers out there. We're representing two hundred and sixty. Since I set up the company four and a half years ago, I guess I've probably spoken to about a thousand. I kind of feel like there aren't many independents that I well, there's, I don't really think there's any independents that I don't 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 know about. And maybe a few very small ones, you know, scattered across um, the world. But um, yeah, and and then on the other side of the equation, how many buy side institutions have you got in your books, or how many asset managers have you got listed? Well, so we sold research to one hundred and fifty 
odd funds now, and those those can range from you know hedge funds to family offices. So the 150 that we've effectively sold to or successfully sold to, um, whilst I don't know, in our CRM we've probably got 25,000 investors coming from seven, eight thousand firms. Wow. Who are receiving our emails, some of them joining the calls and stuff like that. So it's a very big, it's a very, very big network that we've developed. And particularly this year, I've I've hired some junior guys in to um to add more and more contacts to our database so we can start to to try and grow the business um overseas. Um as probably ninety-five percent of, of the revenue currently comes from uh, London based funds. So very keen on um trying to build our presence in the US where you know the hedge fund industry is probably you know 10 to even 20 times the size and 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 you talk about your your junior members of staff um what what would you advise uh, again a broader question but what, what would you advise young people to do coming into uh, the industry these days do you think this is a, an industry with a, a robust future i don't know it's a, it's a it's a challenging time i would say for for the investment research industry it's definitely not the uh attractive industry of 20 years ago is it i guess there's a lot of reasons as i mentioned earlier about budget shrinking the buy side kind of hiring more internally and not using as much research and that sort of thing if i was advising a young analyst obviously it's great to have high quality differentiated independent research providers but there and it's great to get people to start them but i think you probably have to you sorry you do have to be quite experienced to do that so as a as a young guy going into the industry you probably encourage them to to probably try and join the buy side you're not going to go straight into setting up an independent research firm or anything like that and but maybe you could join one and there's you know there are some that are hiring but they tend to you know like as we all know independents are much smaller and they're they're not they're not so much interested in hiring but for for irf obviously hiring um lots of young 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 guys has been very useful for um as i mentioned earlier building out the network helping us with all the campaigns we send out doing a lot of the administrative tasks and it gives them a great um a great opportunity to understand the investment research landscape, as well as, you know, an introduction to asset managers, and they get a whole load of interesting funds to look up, interesting research to read. So I think it's a great, you know, a great springboard to to other things, but I'm hoping that we keep some of the young guys as well, you know. Um, but this year, we probably had about, I would say, 20, 20 people who are, um, you know, between between the ages of 20 and 25, who have uh, come through and sometimes, you know, some are still with us, like your son, Tim. Yeah. And then others, others, you know, do three or four months and have a good time, but find another job and and um, and, and then tell their friends about it. So yeah, we've become a little academy, which has been nice. I enjoy, I'm enjoying that. Good. Uh, well, Edward, thank you very much indeed for the for for a, a brief survey of IRF um, and uh, your work. Well done on success so far, um, and thank you everybody for listening. Um, and we look forward to the next podcast. Bye bye. Thank you very much, Tim. I very much enjoyed that. Cheers, Edward. Bye. Take care. Bye.